0: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast for fans by fans. Your number one Utah Utes podcast.
1: Now, your
0: hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast, part of Torn by Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And we got Scott.
2: Go, Utes,
0: baby. Well, before we get started, I do need to come in and confess my sins.
2: Speak to us, brother. What do you? What what have you? Forgive me, Ute Nation, for
0: I have sinned.
2: You been down in New Orleans or Vegas lately? Demons, be gone! (laughs) I know know a guy, Greg Rubel, who can get rid of that for you.
0: (laughs) On our last podcast, and we were talking about how Stubblefield had been let go and the potential coaching hires, I said I wouldn't be surprised if Winningham made a Winningham move and hired someone like a Jordan Wynn or like a Dave Schramm.
2: Boy, was I wrong. This is a new and improved Kyle Winningham. He has uh, has turned the page, and uh, he's gone big time now. I, lo- I love I really like these hires I am really excited I loved bringing guy holiday I think not only what he brings recruiting wise but uh, he's got experience a lot of our hires recently have been young inexperienced coaches who just uh, you know maybe haven't gotten their footing yet in the recruiting world or maybe just even don't, haven't even had a lot of experience other than Dave christensen and we all know how that turned out, but I love. I mean, he's been doing this a while, and he's got he's had proven success, put a lot of guys in the NFL, and, and I think too, and he, he's been doing that his, from UTEP, from BYU.
0: That's what I say his talent pool for what he's working with isn't that great.
2: Yeah, but I, he still produces, and, and he's
0: produces. I mean, you look at the BYU wide receiving core; he was having them play
1: at a high level. Well, and granted, they have, have a pretty good quarterback, there. which
2: helps. Yeah, that that goes a long ways, and I think those guys are fairly talented. It's not like they were chopped liver, but I mean, uh, Kurtz, I believe, was a four-star JC recruit. So I mean, you know, they did have some talent, but I think I think he's going to do wonders for the mentality of our receiving core, for just toughening up our our receiving core. Um, Seems like a no nonsense guy, just bring gonna... talent in, yeah. I, I like it a plus Kyle you got my approval
0: a plus and it was sad to see coach peace <laughs> is stepping down after one year of running the defense I think they're in good hands with Scally. Um, I know that you know he was prepared for this all season I kind of wish maybe we got one more year with peace um, but at the end of the day I I like the move
1: I th- I think Scally's ready I think I, I think it was a good move to bring peace in, just to kind of make that transition a little smoother. But I, but Scally's been with Kyle as a player and as a coach for 14 years now. He knows that defense inside and out, and I think he's ready for it. I think he's going to do a good job.
2: I'm pretty sad about losing peace. He's he's kind of my mentor, you know. He was he was he was that he was that grand that third grandpa. You Where are we going to
1: get the candy out of the pocket now
2: you know and uh, true inspiration to all you fans everywhere but but I agree Morgan Scalwley, you know I think he's got he's got the experience. everybody raves about him. everybody that knows him talks about how intelligent he is, uh, what a great football mind he has and I think this I think this is really going to elevate him um, to really show what he can do. And what I like about it, I think we're going to see a blend. You're going to see a blend of Sataki, which is that aggressive blitzing. You're going to see kind of the more of the game plan um, of, of peace and a little bit of Whittingham in there. Not to mention his own style. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see our defense, especially with the talent that we've got coming back. Uh, we got a couple spots at linebacker. We got to we got to fill and and sure up, but. I think uh, I'm pretty excited. I think it's a good I think it's a good move for the program, brings stability. He's a young coach which will allow him to uh, be here, you know, for a longer period of time. So that's
0: kind of the, the news with football, um, with the with the coaching hires and and again, you know, I like what we've been saying, I think home run by by Winningham.
2: Well and you also got Lewis Powell who has now moved from the offensive side of the ball to the defense, where we'll be coaching the D line. Along with Sione Puha.
0: And Fred Whittingham moving um, from is it, operations. operations, now coaching tight ends, which, I mean, that, that's probably the least important position coach to have. But I think having him as recruiting is, is what is key. Um, there was talks that Sataki was talking to him, bringing him down to BYU. So I don't know if this was kind of forced to keep him and his recruiting ability in the program. Um, but him being a coach, a full-time coach now, Gives him the ability to recruit a little bit more.
1: Well, if those rumors were true, th- that was a must move because you didn't want to lose him, your brother, your brother to BYU and lose that the recruiting potential there.
2: Well, not to mention, I mean, you look at BYU; they've got they've got three uh, three coaches on the staff right now, so they they're not getting the guys that they want. I mean, this this has been a long process for them to. Uh, to build up this staff, and, you know, you've heard a lot of names, but, uh, you know, it's looking like maybe Empey is going to be the O-line coach down there, which, you know, they're just not getting the guys that they want that have experience, and I think, you know, part of that is probably what they're willing to pay. Um, But, yeah, keeping Fred here, and Fred even alluded to himself on Twitter, a lot of this is for recruiting and him being able to get out on the road and actually go and recruit, which... Um, I think as a staff, this is probably the best recruiting staff we've had at the university um, because I think we've got guys, you know, Shaw's really, uh, Sharif Shah's coming into his own and really starting to um, to help. Louis Powell, great recruiter. You can't hear enough about Justin Enna and what he's doing on the recruiting, the relationships he, he's developing. And now you add in um, holiday. I think, uh, I think we're really gonna be able to start to bring some of this talent in that we've all been, you know, every, it seems like every February we're kind of rumored we're, we're in the final for a lot of these big time players and we just kind of keep losing out on them. And I think some of these coaching moves may keep our fingers crossed, may be able to turn that over and, uh, and, and win some of these battles this year. Most importantly, Mr. Treneman and Snow, wide receiver threat. Go get him, guy.
1: Well, We're sitting here talking about the coaching changes, and I think the biggest thing we haven't talked about is the non-coaching changes on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, we're used to that changing year after year and after year. And we spent the whole season talking about the lack of offensive production and Things need to improve, but in the long run and looking back, I think it's a great move that the core of coaches stayed together for another year to bring these guys together just, just, to, just to stay consistent.
2: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good move. Um, in a perfect world, I think you fans would have, pref- would have liked to have seen a quarterback coach come yeah. in. But uh, you know, I think we got to see we got to see what Arod does, and if A-Rod doesn't produce, I think that's going to take care of itself. But uh, give these guys a the benefit of the doubt and and uh, the opportunity to to have some consistency.
0: Yeah, and I think it also shows the growth of Winningham as a head coach that he's going <laughs> to allow his OC to have another year. You prove Kyle. You well, proved me
1: wrong. Hopefully, he's. I mean, those comments he made right after the bowl game. I mean. Hopefully he's starting to realize that as good of a defense as you can have, you still need to put points on the board. You've gotta, you've gotta put an offensive staff together that can that can score touchdowns.
0: So I think Winningham's getting a lot of praise right now. One coach at the U that's not getting a lot of praise by the local media. Our very own coach Larry Koskoviak.
2: Well, he, he, the local media, the UIU he, 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 game. He's not getting praise. But that that media has two free complimentary tickets to any upcoming game.
1: <laughs> Will they be used? <laughs> that was
2: so awesome. That was that was the gutsiest move <laughs> a local coach has done. I mean, that blows Boylan's rant out of the water. That was awesome.
1: So let, let, he's pretty slick with his with his words. <laughs> so that's kind of break this
0: down. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I know it's been hashed out over and over again on Twitter. I'll give my two cents and then you guys can take over. I don't care. He canceled it. The BYU game this past season, it was fun. I enjoyed it. If they play again, I know I'll enjoy it. But I'm a Utah fan. I'm going to cheer. I'm going to watch the game regardless of who they're playing.
2: All those years of so I'm fine with it. E- either way, I- I'm Hitler fine with was it. the last one to break this up. Really, you're okay with it, Cam?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Other than the only thing that I've, I have found fun about this is just the meltdown by BYU. Not only no, by their fan mean, base, but their administration, their media outlets. Greg Rubel's been the biggest baby, and it's been hilarious.
2: You can you can put him in a long line of every other BYU administrator media outlet. They've all been at, up in arms over this. And when it first broke, I actually was I was pretty embarrassed. I thought, all right, I was too. We're, we're canceling this game because of a little a sucker punch from a little four foot twelve dude. That would make him five feet. <laughs> For those of you listening at home
0: that's Ryan, right, Matt. <laughs> that's
2: a, I got my got my flashcards out here um, you know I, I didn't like it when it first broke I thought it was I thought it was petty I thought it was dumb I thought it made us look silly but as as this has transpired and the outcry and you've seen how juvenile some of these fans and most importantly the media has handled this it's just it's made me sit back and just go you know what this is for the better.
0: See, and I don't even care about the fans, because the fans can say what they want. I mean, all fans are, are idiots. We're all crazy. But it's what you said, it, it's the media and the university in Provo, that, the heads at the university down there, the way they're reacting, I think, is, is more comical than anything.
1: I'm, I'm tired of the local media coddling and babying BYU and giving them everything they want. And just backing them to to the hilt, and Utah's always the bad guy. It's
2: just it's getting ridiculous. Well, that's the thing; it is ridiculous, you know. And I mean, but it is it. it I, I don't think any of us should really be surprised because it's always been the media for years and years has always been kind of BYU slanted, and they've been the big dog. They've been the ones that you know kind of moved the needle. As they look for uh, for uh, ratings and things of that nature, and I think that's slowly slowly turning uh, with the UTE fan base as it continues to grow and expand. And but you know, you you, you look at uh, I mean Mark Durant who is employed by BYU, and you look at ha- ha- what he tweets and how juvenile and the language that he uses mm-hmm. and the I mean just or that how the childish des- it the is. desert
0: News. Picked that up and ran it as a news article.
2: His open
1: letter, yeah. Like <laughs> well, and I rest, then, I rest my case. And, and then,
0: I mean, I'll admit I'm completely biased. But you look at what Bill Riley's doing.
2: Yeah, well, Bill all all, Bill he, Riley did, all he did was an award. He
0: he reported the facts and then let it go. Well,
2: that's that's called journalism. You report the facts, and they can have an opinion. I'm not saying they can't but it's no, going no, overboard with most, it most most of the media is not supposed to have an opinion they're supposed to report columnists sure they they can have a, they can have an opinion but not everybody in the media is supposed to have an opinion they're supposed to report facts facts to the general public and I tell that to
1: MSNBC and CNN Scott
2: it's i don't know i mean <clears throat> You know, t- t- in today's age, everybody you know everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got an outlet to uh, to put uh, their opinions out there, and I guess to an extent, you know, journalism is changing for that very very reason. But everybody's a fanboy. You know, everybody's got a, a rooting interest in something and an angle and an agenda behind it. And yet, one particular
1: I'm, media member here in town continues to say, "I'm not a fan of any team."
0: Bull,
2: <laughs> Gordy. Love you, boy. Yeah, I mean it is what it is, and I think, but it has been pretty entertaining to see them just rush to the defense of. Well, and was what was interesting in Larry's press conference. Every question that was asked by the media was was literally to defend BYU, and every question was was directed to attack Utah for this decision. There wasn't. And he explained to us why you know uh, um, you know why this makes sense or you know are we missing something it was just attack 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 and uh, Larry Larry stood his ground he he had his points he made his points very clear but it, it didn't go along with what they wanted so of course they just continued to attack and and I think it's gonna be good you know to really step away and... in in as many sports as we can and kind of get away from this. I get too heated with BYU fans, you know. BYU overall, BYU's got a good program. They've got uh, they've got a, a good athletic program. Um, and I think a lot of people have respect for that. But it's all the nonsense and it's all the, the junk that comes with the rivalry that just makes it to the point where I'm okay <laughs> stepping away and saying, you guys go play your games, we're going to play ours see in a decade
1: and and with uh kriskoviak and his ability to to bring in games that game's going to be filled that spot's going to be filled with a home and home with a with a good program it's well, not
2: he did hint on the coaches show last night that you fans will be will be happy with uh, yeah i heard that who, who is filling that spot and I don't, I don't believe it's Santa Clara. <laughs> so I think we
0: can kind of put this one to bed. I, I know I'm kind of had my fun with it and whatnot, but I, I'm ready for life to get back to normal. University of Utah.
2: Yeah, I mean, we need more. I mean, let's get the media foc- focus off of this and back to Jimmer updates. <laughs> I mean, let's get let's get this the world back on its axis here, and let's let's get rolling again.
0: So Utah opens up with three games on the road, at Stanford, at Cal, at Colorado, going one and two, losing the first two at Stanford
1: and Cal. I'm kind of nervous. Ouch. I kind of expected the Cal loss because they were picked to be pretty good, and they started off kind of struggling a little bit, but I think they've turned the corner. But that Stanford loss was so bad. All you need to do one free throw, and you missed seven in the last minute and a half of the game.
2: One well, and, and countless turnovers. and
1: We had 19 turnovers in
0: that game. We,
2: we talk about it ad nauseum over the last three years, really, ever since Larry's been here. I love Larry, and I love what he's doing with the program. But the turnovers are an issue. They're not getting fixed. We're, we just don't protect the ball. We just are so careless. I don't know if that's just we don't have good enough ball handlers or we're trying to run an offense that we're not suitable. But game after game after game, we're just pretty careless with the ball, which is, which is hurting us. That's a big thing. Foul shooting, we've been pretty good. We, as a team, we've been pretty good that, but not in the, not in the Stanford game, which was obvious. But,
1: well, the two, I mean, they're the, the two highest. <laughs> free throw percentage guys were at the line yeah. too and both of them went oh for seven yeah that was
2: not good i mean where do you guys stand uh our last podcast we were kind of raving mm-hmm. about the youths and i th- i thought we had a chance to be pretty darn good this year and make a deep run in the tournament and we still may but i, I think i've my expectations for this team has definitely changed over these last three games. Because even though we got the win at Colorado, if you watch that game, it looked a whole lot like Stanford, most of it, until until the final minutes where we made that 11-2 to run, which could spark a turnaround and give the team some confidence and get them going again. But my biggest thing is our seniors. That's where we're lacking right now. Well,
1: Dakari's having a... An- an awful season
2: yeah he he hasn't been able to get going for whatever reason taylor taylor mm-hmm. i mean he was averaging 20 points a game at this point last season and uh, he's struggled Loveridge is great in the huntsman center he struggles outside of it
1: chapman's in a sophomore slump i think see i think this is where my Re- ray can...
2: Reyes
0: is in his junior slump <laughs> this is <laughs> this is my concern with this team Is do they have an offensive identity? Because it honestly feels like I think they do. I think they do. I I honestly think sometimes it just they bring the ball down, which they struggle in half court a lot of times. But they bring it down, and it's either okay. So this possession, we're going to run everything through Pirtle, and then the next one, which they should, yes, but it's not consistent, and it just kind of seems like with this offense, there's two offenses running.
2: Well, and, and it's either
0: we're, we're going we're gonna to feed our big man in the post, and that's all we're going to do, or we're going to pass around the three-point line and jack up a three. It just doesn't seem like there's any rhythm or fluid to this offense.
2: We are lacking fluid, I believe. <laughs> that's why I brought a Coke. <laughs> we are, we're down a pint, I think. But no, I mean, I think part of that is how defenses are defending Pirtle. Um, they're making it tough so that he just doesn't have free catches down on the post. Now, where we need to do a better job of that is I think, you know, we love, we've, we've, at times we fall in love with a three ball and we just shoot the ball from beyond the arc to death. And if we're on, life's great. Like against BYU and typically how we shoot in the Husband Center. But on the road, two of 12 at Cal. I mean, we struggle. And if we're struggling, where it makes it harder to get the ball into the post. It makes it harder to, to get stuff going. I think I think in my opinion I've kind of heard this and I agree with it. Essentially, everybody's just trying to do too much on the on the team right now. They're not they're not playing as a team. They're trying to do, "Oh, I've got to I've got to put the team on my back." It just looks like Taylor's Russian, trying to see that's that my harsh. point is
0: i don't see my, an offensive identity
2: well i mean i i think you can see i you can see what they're running what they're trying to accomplish a lot of times they're, they're just not executing just not it executing it. it or before they can execute it for a wide open shot we've turned the ball over and the team's going the other direction
0: let me throw something else at you guys and i don't want this as a slight or uh, an attack on pertle
1: Okay, Gordon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. He's a great talent. He's gotten a lot of points, you know, minus the Colorado game, he didn't score as much. Do you think he can take over a game? Does he have the capability right now of taking over a game?
1: I think I think, think they, I think he can. I don't think they're utilizing him in the So that b- before we
0: go on, I just because what I'm thinking is if you look at Utah's success in the last couple post They've had a player who can take over a game, like an Andrew Bogut, like a DeLon Wright. Is Pirtle capable of taking over a game like that?
2: I I, I think he can. He but he needs some help. He needs guys around him that are that are a threat um, to open up space for himself. I mean, if the outside shooting starts
1: falling. They're not going to be able to double him, and he will be able to dominate inside. But he can't do it alone, I don't think.
2: Yeah, well, and that's the key. Because if we if we utilize and play the inside-out game, get the ball into him. If they double, he passes out of the double. We swing it around the perimeter for an open shot. That's an offensive in and of itself. When you've got a top-ten pick as a 7-footer, as athletic as Pirtle is, that right there could be your offense is just playing inside and out, put the ball into him, swing it, cut, get some guys cutting, and move that ball. And instead, we like to dribble the ball, and we have just moments where we're just we're just not doing anything to really with a purpose.
1: Sometimes um, the things they they throw it into him and they just all sit there and watch what he's gonna no, do. That's <laughs> what I, it's really what I'm saying. There's two two different
0: things that happen. Is oh, it's it's Pearl's time to have the ball, so he's throw it in. And everyone just kind of watches.
2: And, I mean, he's shooting a heck of a percentage mm-hmm. from the field. Um, but, yeah, it's creating more opportunities for him. And, and like I said, if the outside ball starts to drop, I think we're going to really see our offense take off. When it doesn't, that's where we really bog down and we struggle um, because we don't have a lot of guys that can create their own shot. That uh, um, can just take over. Bonham is probably one of the few guys on the team with his size and his athletic ability to get to the basket, to get into the lane, and to create. Taylor can do that. He's just so small. He, he can't really finish with so many bigs uh, around the hoop. Leverage needs an open shot created for him. He he can't really create. But as a team, we've got that's a thing. You know, to sit here and just harp those are the negatives and those are our struggles but we still have enough talent where we we can be dangerous when we play as a team and when we're when we're being effective and and uh, producing we're pretty dangerous and we've got the talent to do it and if we just Tucker just needs to break out of this we need his sh- shooting ability mm-hmm. you know what we really need is Ogby to get his groin healthy Because he's played in one game this year and was lights out in that one game. He's a great perimeter defender. He's a great shooter. He's athletic. He can create his own shot. He can get to the hoop. Did I mention he's a great defender?
1: No, you didn't. We need him. The other downfall of this team, though, not to harp on all the negatives. I know it seems like we do that a lot. But when Pirtle gets in foul trouble, we... We struggle because
2: oh, there's nobody behind Reyes. It. Cannot don't you speak <laughs> ill of Reyes? He's Cameron's boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: we struggled in that Stanford game, but when Purtle was in the game, we had a chance. As soon as he fouled out, ball game.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's where the million-dollar question: What's up with with Jace? Because i tell you what, we could sure use him to spare Purtle or when Purtle gets in foul trouble. Uh, you know. Don't you think by now they would have used yeah, him? Yeah, I don't think yeah, he's coming. I, I don't to. think he's coming unless Purtle gets an injury and is out for a long period of time. But the problem is, you know, if that happens three weeks from now, now you're really burning the redshirt year for very few games. Yeah. But I think our lap, lack of depth... I mean if we had Bashinsky on the team still this year we wouldn't be worried about it. it. it Jeremy Olsen. Olson. Yeah. So I think that's definitely been an, an issue, you know. I wish Collette was eligible immediately, but you know, it is what it is and if if Larry and uh, Jace and his parents don't want to burn the year, you know, you got to respect that decision as much as we want to see him come play, but there is the idea out there, if he's as good as advertised, he's not going to be here four years anyway. So why wh- burning half of a freshman year, it doesn't seem as bad. But then again, when you're in those shoes, you think a little bit differently, and there's no guarantee you're going to be a lottery pick sophomore, junior year. So we'll just get to look forward to him next year.
1: The bright side is Arizona lost two games to this opening weekend UCA, USC is looking pretty good, but the conference may be up for grabs even though we're still
2: we're well, not we're, we're not playing lights out. Okay why don't you go through and list uh, list the standings right now?
0: So yeah Washington, USC, Oregon, Oregon State, Cal US, UCLA, Stanford, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Washington State, Arizona State.
2: Not what you would expect.
0: Well, I think we even talked about this on the last podcast is that the Pac-12 basketball player play has gotten better.
2: Oh, it's, it's... it's. I mean,
0: who would have thought that Washington would be leading the conference after the first weekend of play it, at 3-0? and
2: According to all the different formulas and breakdowns out there, it's the best conference in college basketball right now. That's saying something with the ACC. Um, I mean... We've got out of 12 teams, 11 are in the top 100 in RPI. There's only one team, Washington State, that's outside the top 100. And as of right now, nine Pac 12 teams are projected to make the NCAA tournament. Nine. It's a lot. We played, everybody's played good schedules. Everybody's winning. The problem is we're all just going to beat each other up. So you legitimately – Just like football. Yeah, yeah. Le- legitimately you, you're you going to have a lot of guys that are – a lot of teams that are going to go 8-8 eight and eight in this season that are good basketball teams. And Utah could be one of those because Stanford's one of probably the easier teams on the schedule, and we didn't take advantage of it. You're not going to go – I mean, Oregon State's playing well. Washington's undefeated in league play. Um, at this
1: point, you've got to take care of your home floor for sure, and then exactly you. that's
2: why this these next two games are crucial because I mean both Oregon and Oregon State are good enough to come in and beat you. So Utah has had some days off to get rest to
0: kind of get a little bit more healthy. Do you know they've been staying at the Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown?
2: Oh, our, our sponsor, our sponsor,
0: our sponsor. You can call them up at 801-359-7800. Ask for Blake. They'll hook you up for a room.
2: That was a heck of a plug.
0: That's what we do.
2: They're great people. Have, they deserve it. Why have the
1: Hutes been staying there? Well, because every room <laughs> trying, is a they're, full
2: suite. They're, they're trying to uh, bring back some Majerus mojo. <laughs> they order oh, pizzas. living and <laughs> in the
0: hotel. Uh, so Utah's been off for a few days. They come back on Thursday. So depending when you're listening to this, uh, hopefully we'll have it up before the game but they play thursday against oregon the white out it is a white out scott what do you think utah will be wearing for this game
2: <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh with a uh, white with a uh, s- small hint of hue
1: <laughs> hue
2: of chartreuse.
1: <laughs> so got, I thought I was going to say the grays. Well,
2: <laughs> oh, those grays should be burned.
0: I like them.
1: I like, I like them. them. I,
0: I'm not surprised you do. <laughs> so we got Oregon <laughs> and then Oregon State coming in after that. And then Utah's back on the road at Washington State and at Washington. Life of the Pac-12, it, it's never okay, before easy. Before we
2: get off topic here, those you really like those grays?
1: They've only worn them once, haven't they? I like them. Like the, the cursive. Wichita's... Yeah. I like them. On it's it. like a
2: fourth
0: grader learning cursive wrote those. <laughs> I hate anything is better than
1: mountains. We suck in the blacks, though.
2: Now, the blacks are good looking.
1: They are good looking, but we've lost in them
2: the, the last red, few times the, we've worn the them. The reds are on point. The whites look good. The grays should be lost by FedEx. <laughs> I like them. You em. don't like anything gray anyway. Well, because I'm a cheerful, optimism, (laughs) happy-go-lucky guy. I don't like the gray, gray skies are
1: going to clear up.
2: (laughs) Speaking of uniforms, (laughs) speaking of uniforms, you guys been seeing what uh, Utes Equipment on Twitter has been uh, doing a little... uh, Yes, I've been
1: voting on some of those. A little
2: competition of best uniforms. I'm a little disappointed the All Red did not make the Final Four.
1: I voted for the all red with the Chrome
2: logo. That was that was the best look. Is that that the, is Utah. The ball game The ball, the ball game. One, yeah. All red is Utah's look. Clemson does the all orange. That looks nice. We are all red. What is up with all this jig jaggedy black, yellow, it, it, it's, white it's, mixtures? We are red and white. Are you listening? We're red and we're white.
0: They want to be. Everyone wants to be Oregon.
2: Yeah, that's why people like gray so much. No,
1: everyone hates gray. I and wouldn't you can, mind a gray football uniform. No, I we're would not, like
2: not it. all gray. Great. You know what? Because then we're going to start top. alternating. We're going to have a gray helmet. It'd be sick. A black top. It'd be sick. White pants. It'd be and sick. Red cleats. No,
0: It'd be sick. Dolly, Dolly, Dolly Lama looked
1: like had, a rainbow. Dolly Lama Lama had, Lama had, had a, conca- a conco- concoction. A concoction? That's not the word I'm looking for. But I think it was the, it was the red helmet. Black jersey and gray pants, and I thought it looked pretty good.
2: Okay, here's the deal. You're adding another color that's not even in our. Yeah, but r- Tennessee went gray. It's Come not on. even. It's not even in our rotunda. Really?
0: Okay, what what do stupid drums <laughs> in in the quarter have to do with anything?
2: Okay, what what, what do what somebody do drums from Syracuse, New York, turns on the TV and turns on a football game and goes, Who is this? A team with white, gray, black, and red on—we look like an arena football team. <laughs> We're Utah, dang it! Red with a heat white on the back, and you want a little <laughs> bit of black in there? Fine, but enough with all this extra n- nonsense. No, dude, I'm loving the gray. I am gonna fight people over this. <laughs> Why? Because I am. I am not gonna let us just be pushed around. We're just gonna start calling you Mark Durant. <laughs>
0: So hopefully with Utah having you know, two home games before going back on the road, they can really build on that Colorado win and, and get a streak going. Uh, before we go tonight, you know we we do want to give a big shout-out to our sponsors for this podcast and for this episode. It's Double Tree Suites by Hilton. That's in Salt Lake City downtown. It's 110 West, 600 South, 801-359-7800. And they've been very generous, and they've actually given us – um giveaways that we can give away to you great listeners. So stay tuned to our next episode in about two weeks. Uh, We'll have a giveaway for a free night. And hey, Valentine's Day is around the corner. It's a great gift idea. (laughs) So stay tuned to that giveaway and then you know we'll have other things throughout the rest of the basketball season. And we're still planning on a party down in their bar area to watch uh a game either the Pac 12 tournament or NCAA tournament, but we'll have more details about that. Ryan, where
2: can people find you on Twitter?
1: At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N,
2: Feather. Scotty? You can find me at uh, uteman_forever. underscore forever. Um, I enjoy all types of follows and uh, would love love to have deep conversations about <laughs> non-gray uniforms with you. And you can follow
0: me and this podcast at Utah Man Podcast, as well on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And catch us on our home on tornbysports.com and go
2: Utes. Go Utes. Kaya, go Utes.
1: The views and opinions
2: expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.